The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Navigating the Cancer Maze with Grace Goller. Dealing with cancer is by no means easy to handle, but our program aims to make it easier through knowledge. Whether you've been recently diagnosed, are going through treatment right now, or are a survivor, our program will have points that you should hear. And by sharing our stories together, we'll make it truly a life-changing experience that you don't have to go through alone. Now, here is your host... Grace Goller. Hello and welcome to the show this week. Uh, coming to you today actually from Alice Springs in Australia's Red Centre. So I'm here in Alice Springs today for my son's marriage and uh, recently uh, come down from uh, Uluru. So it's been a very exciting time for us and it's amazing that I can be talking on Voice America um, here from the centre of Australia. We uh, may have a little bit of dropout from time to time. Um, we hope that's not going to be too much in the show. But uh, being here in Alice Springs is actually, well, it's quite uh, it's quite potent in what we're going to talk about later on today because I've chosen to talk about belief systems and the effect of belief systems on healing. And being in Alice Springs, we have quite a strong indigenous culture in Australia, which refers to something called bone pointing. And bone pointing is about will to live, will to heal, or um, also using your belief system to give up. So we're going to go through that in quite some detail and uh, we'll be able to relate that to how cancer patients can actually deal with their situation. And also for oncologists who may be a little uh, negative in the prognosis department to realise the importance of that statement, uh, you have cancer, there's nothing we can do for you. Um, it's a little bit like bone pointing. So we're going to have a, a good discussion on that and probably some new thoughts on that subject for some of you listening today based on my 38 years of experience. So we're also going to have a look at um, boundaries and what is a boundary, how to create healthy boundaries. This is a big problem for a lot of people who have cancer. We'll be looking at the creative ways of navigating the cancer maze there. And uh, towards the end of the show, we'll actually have a look at survivors' secrets and just go through and name some of the issues one by one that people have found very helpful for them to navigate the cancer maze. And of course, with all of the things we talk about on the show, it is a matter of you selecting from the smorgasbord of options the ideas that come as creative and important, important ways for you to navigate the maze. 
So, first of all, however, we're going to go to the mailbox, as we usually do on the show, because there's a couple of um, issues that were picked up from last week, and we will immediately go to a question that came through uh, RGCC with Dr. Ray Hammond last week, and had quite a bit of mail around that and people asking about the tests. One particular lady has written... Thank you for your interview with Dr. Ray Hammond last week. It was fascinating to learn that the RGCC test exists. I had no idea. I've been battling breast cancer on and off for 15 years. I'm a bit battle-scarred and a bit battle-weary. I've just been re-diagnosed for the fifth time, now with bone, lung and likely liver mets. Can the RGCC test help me at this late stage? I just don't know how much more chemo I can take and neither does my doctor. Are there any options other than chemo? I've been through many different types of hormone treatment and running out of those options too. Can you help? Well, um, that's a very big question and I think it is worth answering this question in some detail because it also uh, has elements of the other emails that I received during the week. So first of all, um, we need to look at the RGCC test and what it can deliver. And Dr. Hammond spoke about that last week. If you're new to the show, do go back and have a listen to last week's episode because he goes into quite a bit of detail. Dr. Hammond is from um, Dallas in Texas and uh, we spoke a lot about the genetics of cancer and how it behaves at that level and what we can do about it. So from that test, uh, one thing that probably Dr. Hammond I don't think talked about was resistance. And resistance happens to cancer patients when they've had a lot of different kinds of treatments, a lot of different chemotherapies, a lot of different hormone therapies, where cancer is kept under control for a little while and then the cancer comes back. And sometimes it comes back with a vengeance, sometimes it just kind of bubbles around for a little bit and people might get some bone secondaries and then that's taken care of and then more things happen. And this is what we know happens in the walkway of of cancer. As time goes on with targeted therapies, however, we are going to be able to physically treat those symptoms in a much better way and a much more effective way. But resistance is something that can be determined by Dr. Papasatiriou's test. Um, Those of you who listened last week will remember he's the Greek uh, doctor who has pioneered these tests. So he's able to uh, determine what's called the MDR1 gene. And by the determination of a figure on the MDR1 gene, he can actually tell how much resistance that you have, your cells, your circulating tumour stem cells, have actually grown to the treatment. So that's very useful information to know because there's no point in treating someone with the same chemotherapy or the um, other agents that might have been used if the cancer cells have grown resistant. So it does give options and those options come through looking at the different genetic pathways that are involved in your cancer. So for someone like yourself, um, I think this is a very good uh, test to do and it will help to give you some direction and I suggest you contact uh, Dr. Hammond to organise that test. Um, 
If you have an oncologist, and I, I presume you do because it sounds like you've had a lot of treatment, um, it might be a good idea to ask him whether there are any new trials that are available. And I know that there are some new antibodies coming on the market um, that still are under trial that are very helpful for people who have particular bone metastases. Uh, that's always a good place to go first and to do the research there. So your oncologist will do that for you. You don't have to do that kind of research. So asking about trials is often a very good idea. Um, of course, there's no um, costs involved with trials also, but you need to make sure that you get on a trial where you're actually going to get the treatment and not a placebo treatment a placebo treatment that they give you something that's other than um, the antibody that you would um, require. So that's another option. The third option for you uh, might be, so after having had the test and checking it out with your oncologist as to the trials available, you may like to consider the treatments that are available at the Halvan Clinic, which is advertised on this network and indeed on this program. So Halvang Private Oncology Clinic in Germany can offer different treatments and quite unique and innovative treatments that aren't actually available in other places in the world. Uh, some of the treatments there have been developed and researched and then put into clinical treatment at Halvang. And um, one of those is a very potent antibody, but it's not an antibody that you'll be able to get in the USA. So I'd suggest that you take a look at two really inspiring videos. Um, one is Denny's story, which I've mentioned a few times on this show before. And the other is a new video that we have put up. Um, it's a lady called Michelle from the UK and her husband, Perry. And uh, both of these ladies have been in similar situations uh, to yourself. It sounds as if you're in early part of your um um, metastatic diagnosis this time and it would be a very good idea to get some inspiration from looking at these two stories. So these ladies obviously both had liver, lung and bone metastases and are now in remission. So these treatments that are available in uh, Germany are trifunctional antibodies and uh, things like hyperthermia where the body is actually heated up to a high temperature. Some people also give chemotherapy while the body is being heated to a high temperature. If any of you want to know more about that, take a, um, a look at the website. Now the website where you'll find Denny and Michelle is not at the Institute uh, which is the usual website here, but it's our other website, which is www.germancancertreatments.com. And that's where you'll find on the homepage Denny's amazing story. And just to give you some hope, if you haven't heard the other stories here, um, Denny's liver was described as looking like Swiss cheese and she's been able to have that liver rebuilt. Um, her body's been very clever and her treatments have been very clever and Denny's been very involved in that healing process as well. So here we have our entire circle like we've discussed in last week's program where we've got a full complement of using the best of the complementary, the best and the wisest of conventional and the best of the psycho-oncology which some people have more naturally um, than others, that spirit and that will to really fight and 
to really go for their healing and to turn low percentages of survival into high percentages of survival. So the Halvan Clinic for us has been quite exciting and uh, it's why we actually travel from Australia with patients because for many of our patients in Australia without options, they do find those options at the Halvan Clinic and the details of how to get in touch with the clinic also are on the page. Our part in that, um, it's probably good to say, is to coordinate and to collate all the information for you as a patient. So we can even do that from Australia. We get inquiries from all around the world. And our job there is to really make the trip for you as seamless and as easeful as possible. We do Survive and Thrive courses uh, while we're at Halvang and any of the patients there are welcome to join in. And uh, we do wonderful things like forest walks, qigong, um, yoga therapy, and we do a lot of uh, different communication exercises with patients while you're there as well. So um, I, that's a very long answer, but it's, a, it's quite a complete answer because I think for someone like yourself who is really looking like they're out of options and you're still wanting to push on, um, it's certainly the way to go. So in the little time that we've got left now, um, I'll address another question here from, from Sunny. And I, if we run out of time before the break, I'd like to come back to this one because it does move into uh, what we're going to talk about. And Sunny lives in Arizona and she writes, I had a diagnosis of cancer of the uterus. I'm feeling powerless. Life's thrown a lot at me and I've managed okay to this point. But I'm a single mum. I've got two kids, one with a disability who needs his mum. I've listened to all the shows and thanks to a friend who downloaded them for me, I now have them on an iPod. I don't know how you can help, but maybe some words of encouragement will do. So what I'd say to uh, you, Sunny, is it's okay to feel powerless. I think in the days of positive thinking where everyone's expecting you to be really up there and up-tempo and thinking that, uh, you know, wow, you've got cancer, just be positive. Uh, in reality, this doesn't really play out. And a lot of patients actually describe this as one of the other stresses. So I think it's really good to feel where you are and to really feel that it's okay to just have that downtime for a while. If downtimes continue, however, that's called depression and you don't want to stay there for too long. But sometimes we need to be authentic with this and um, in that authenticity, there actually lies a lot of hidden power, a lot of hidden energy for your recovery. So we're going to take a break now on navigating the cancer maze and we'll be back very soon and I'll continue the answer to Sunny. Back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. 
For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Welcome back. We're uh, talking about navigating the cancer maze and hopefully as these programs go on, the maze is starting to look less like a maze and your uh, way that you're charting your way through the maze is getting a little clearer. So we're back with uh, an answer to uh, Sunny from Arizona. Um, who had the diagnosis of cancer of the uterus. And we were talking about how it's okay to feel that powerlessness at the beginning. I think so many people with um, cancer actually don't allow themselves to feel those feelings and try to hold up the situation for a lot of people. And often for themselves, they go on the back burner as uh, they say, you know, that person with cancer gets to eat the burn toast while everybody else is going on about their business and the cancer patient's trying to be positive because they don't want to distress the people around them. So that's a pretty um, important dynamic and it's one that really needs to be addressed as you do navigate the maze. Um, I think one of the other things is anyone who's been a a bit of a survivor and no doubt if you've had a child with a disability and um, it sounds like you've had a lot of tough times in life that you've grown to be quite strong and sometimes cancer comes along as like there's been situations where it's just too much and it's the, in the emotional sense, it's the straw that's broken the camel's back and that's the time where it's probably wise to start just to take some time and to really feel the situation and what's going on. Hemingway wrote something really great where he said people um, grow strong at the broken places and they do. There's no doubt about that. And I think it's a good idea to reframe the strengths that you've actually used throughout your life. Often when people get a diagnosis of cancer, they think there's many new things that they have to learn, many new things that they have to do. But often for people who have been, excuse me, survivors in life, um, they've already got the tools there, the toolkits created. You've used it for years. And it's a good idea to actually go back and... uh, have a fossic in the toolkit and see what you can actually pull out to to fight this particular fight. Um, and I'm reminded of a wonderful elderly gentleman who taught me a lot in a very short time. Um, he had prostate cancer and he had uh, been in Changi. 
And when he came in, he said he was very depressed and he had quite an aggressive form of prostate cancer, not the slow growing kind. And he said, you know, I've had all these life experiences and I've survived. And, you know, here I am with prostate cancer. And so as a listener and counsellor, I asked him, of course, well, what happened to you and how did you survive and what tools did you use? And I probably sat there for the full hour of that consultation and just listened to the experiences that this man had had during the war um, and to be taken prisoner of war and to be in Changi. And he brought up some very moot points that had allowed him and his friends to survive. And five of them were comrades. Five of them shared everything. Uh, five of them talked about what might happen if they didn't make it and what might happen if they did. So they were being quite realistic. Um, if the, he said, if we found a large cockroach, you know, we cut it into five and we ate it. And he said, we were not consumed by fear because our camaraderie was so good. And he had the aha for himself towards the end of his story that, in fact, he was a survivor. In fact, he'd done a lot of things in his life to survive and, and not only during the war. He knew how to do it. He had the toolkit, but just temporarily... That had been kind of disabled and he felt powerless in the face of cancer. And once he realised that he had those tools there, and I suspect, um, Sonny, that you're going to be of this ilk as well. And um, I'm, I'm not sure how old you are, but it sounds like you've got a bit of mileage on the clock. So if that's the case, um, like this gentleman, you probably know innately what you need to do. And many cancer patients do know innately what they need to do. It's just getting the energy and the power and the support to be able to enact what you actually need to do to survive. And I think in that reframing of your strengths um, and using that story as a bit of a launch pad, that it's okay to have the will to live for someone else. Um, people often say, well, you need to become you know, self-empowered and um, you need to want to live for yourself. But in my experience, in dealing with many patients, they often say, I want to live to see my son get married um, in two years' time. And the doctor might have said, well, I think you've got a prognosis of about six weeks. And it's amazing when people can reframe that experience. They've got something that they want to live for that they will live for that two-year period. Now, I've seen this many, many times, and uh, it's sort of outliving your prognosis to do something that you need to do. And I think that's a real key for healing and recovery, which is going to take us into um, the next uh, area that we're going to talk about in healing and being here in Alice Springs and bone pointing, because the prognosis can be the very thing that can get in the way. And with somebody like uh, our dear old chap with the prostate cancer, he'd actually taken his prognosis on board. Now, I think it's really important to take your diagnosis on board. And uh, sometimes the prognosis in certain people may be required because there's things they want to do in their life. But quite often, if a prognosis is, is negative... I have seen people set their wristwatch virtually and, um, and die appropriately to the time that they were told that they were going to die. So it's a very complex thing. 
um, this thing of belief systems and and healing, and we'll look at that in a lot of detail in a moment. So I hope that's been a complete enough answer for you. Um, Cancer of the uterus also has had a lot of success with being treated. I don't know whether you're dealing with secondaries here, Sunny, or whether this is a primary um, cancer, but either way, there are a lot of treatments. And one suggestion is don't go the total alternative route. We've talked a lot on this program about using the balance and using the lifestyle and complementary along with the psychology. Some counselling might be also of some help for you if you feel like you're struggling, um, but also using the best of medical. We have um, a lady who actually went to Germany a couple of years ago with a, a tumour as large as a baby's head. It actually wasn't a uterine cancer, but it was close. It was a cervical cancer that had actually moved up um, through uh, her cervix and was mistaken for a fibroid. And she went to Germany. She actually lived over there for three months and came back And as well. She's been in remission and we still have all of her clear scans to actually prove that. So a lot is possible and it's just a matter of finding your toolkit sunny and finding the things in it that you know are going to be helpful for you and then having the spirit and the will to actually act upon those things and make them happen. They don't happen automatically, but remember too our just one thing principle that it might be just one major thing in your life that you're empowered to turn around that can turn what was deemed to be, um, if it's palliative treatment or only holding treatment and turning it more into a long-term remission or curative um, treatment. So great big long answer there on that one as well, but I thought both of those um, questions probably apply to a lot of people out there. So we are here today, as I said, in Alice Springs in the centre of Australia, and it's a reminder with talking about uh, the previous experience of patients that that word prognosis is like being bone-pointed. Now, I don't know how many of you are aware of the term bone pointing, but it's worthwhile um, exploring that because I think that what many people have when they're dealing with cancer is an experience of being told that you're going to die and taking that in into your, your mind, into your brain, into your being at some very, very deep level. And the analogy is quite strong with this. So I think... When we've got a belief system um, and we're looking at cancer, if we're looking at the healing of the soul, it is different to the healing of the body. The body can actually be healed and the soul not be touched. And I think what happens with bone pointing, and to explain that just briefly, in an Aboriginal or Indigenous community here in Australia, if someone has transgressed something in the tribe, if, if they've gone outside the way that the tribe dictates that one should live, they are made to pay a penalty. And everybody knows that if this happens to you, that you will die. And there is a man called a Kadacha man who is the medicine man. He's the spiritual leader, if you like, of the tribe. And everyone knows if the Kadacha man points this special kind of bone with um, a whole lot of trimmings on it and feathers and human blood, etc., that you will die. Now, 
it's a harmless bone pointing. But the person who is pointed, immediately everyone in the community comes toward them and then goes away from them. And then at the end of their time, all the community comes back to them. So that's in their dying moments. And this is very much an analogy to what happens to cancer patients where uh, someone's diagnosed with cancer and uh, you go home, you tell all your friends, people rally around initially. And then a lot of people find it really awkward to talk about cancer. They uh, are confronted with their, their own mortality and they often disappear. Many people will just go away because they can't handle being around someone who has the possibility of dying. And then when the, the, the person is really sick towards the end of their illness, everyone comes back and uh, just as like in the Aboriginal tribe, people come back and say their, their goodbyes and the person dies. So this has got a very strong analogy to what is happening quite often in the medical profession. And we need to look at, at actually how we can work with that because if you have been pointed, so to speak, and you've taken that on board, it becomes the very obstacle to your recovery. Now, this is the healing, as we said, of the soul level. And when the person is pointed in the Indigenous community, it's a way of taking their spirit away. They really have this belief system that supports that. We have a, um, a belief system for the healing of the body, which doesn't necessarily um, equate with the healing of the soul. And this becomes clear if if you've ever had pneumonia and you've taken a simple antibiotic, even if you've been an alternatively focused person, you don't need to believe in the antibiotic in order for it to work for you. Um, so that's where we look at, say, a healing of the body and not a healing of the soul or the spirit level. And if one is going to recover from cancer, you need to recover by bringing in that element of soul and in some way re-engaging your spirit and then that makes up the pie chart that we talked about last week with the medical conventional, the lifestyle and I would put the uh, bone pointing and working with that in the other direction in the psycho-oncology section which we said is about 35% of the recovery. So we're going to take a short break and we're going to be back with more soon of Navigating the Cancer Maze and we'll continue this discussion. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hullvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You 
are tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. And welcome back. Um, we're going to be talking some more about bone pointing and its effects and belief systems and how belief systems can actually affect your healing. And you're listening on the Health and Wellness Channel for Voice America. So welcome back to the show. Um, in talking about the four questions from last week, now if, if you weren't tuned in last week, these four questions uh, actually come into what we've just been speaking about uh, in terms of the complexity of, of belief systems and recovering your energy and recovering the lost parts of what we might call your soul. And, uh, you know, don't want to get into the, the too much spiritual side of this, but it is a really important thing to consider whatever your um, denominational belief system is. If you have cancer, you know, consider where that there's these lost pieces of your life um, that you need to reintegrate because it's about self-empowerment and you can empower yourself by reintegrating um, these sections of the lost bits. And those four questions from last week, just briefly, where in your life did you stop singing? Where in your life did you stop dancing? Where in your life did you become uncomfortable with the sound of your own life story? And when in your life did you become uncomfortable with the sound of your own inner silence, your sacred silence? And in extending that further um, in today's session, really what we're talking about in those four questions is the element of soul loss, the element where you have become disengaged with life. And I think at some very deep level, this ties into the pathway, into the walkway, into people with cancer. As we heard from our earlier person um, in the program's uh, email today, uh, you know, they, the straw that broke the camel's back, that they've been struggling on through life. If they'd been as strong as they could be, and this is just one thing too many. And this is where you get that loss of soul. If you get really busy at this particular time, as we talked about in our stage one, which is very fear-motivated, flight-or-fight response, fear-driven. So it really sort of relates back into that stage. Um, if you get very busy and you don't take this time, so taking some time for yourself and not being so busy that you cover over all the things that are the important things to do. You know, so many people do this with um, wild diets and lots of supplements and the, the busyness and the getting stressed trying to get unstressed is really quite remarkable. And this we called in the stage one of healing. So uh, we don't want to go down that path particularly. Taking the time, learning to do your time gaps and appreciating that the answer to those four questions is really so profound. And I've had people in groups say, well, actually, I can answer all four of those 
And that's what we call emotional, spiritual, psychological and spiritual bankruptcy. And when you're in that place and you're traumatized and you start making all those other choices and doing, 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 you become the human doing and not the human being, um, it really does hinder your healing process quite, quite dramatically. So healing is complex and uh, there's many different stories from many different people. Uh, great book and I hope we're going to be able to um, interview the person who wrote this book called Remarkable Recoveries and her name is Carol Hirschberg. She actually looked at the stories of why people recover and um, she also wrote a book with um, – Noetic Sciences, and that was called also Spontaneous Remissions, where she did a, a study for um, Noetic Sciences Group in California, where they looked at why people recover when they shouldn't have recovered. And there's some very interesting aspects in those books about the psycho-oncology, and let's call it the emotional psycho-spiritual oncology, um, where people have made ultimate decisions in their life that they're going to turn around something. And maybe that something is a part of that just one thing. Now, early um, in his career, um, there was a chap who really looked at a lot of imagery work and he became very interested in how belief systems and imagery could actually affect a patient's outcome and his name was Dr. Carl Simonton and Simonton wrote up some very interesting studies and it's worthwhile reading this one to you verbatim because um, it actually shows the power of the belief system and the story also shows that how when you have a belief system that's a very simplistic one, that sometimes there's, there's some way that you can be convinced, okay, well, that's, that's the treatment. I'll go along with that. Now, we see that in alternative medicine not work very well at all. But in this particular case that turned around Carl Simonton, he told the story of an American hillbilly who was diagnosed with throat cancer by his general practitioner. And he was told that he'd have to go to a large city hospital in order to have the cancer treated. The doctor also told him that this hospital had a new form of ray treatment that would cure his cancer. So immediately he has positive placebo. So bone pointing, you could say, is a negative placebo. So that it's actually going to do harm rather than to do good. So the hillbilly goes along and he has his ray treatment. He was awed by the size of the hospital after his arrival there and he was given a basic checkup. When a thermometer was placed in this man's mouth, his doctor realised that the man thought that it was his ray treatment. After several sessions of this wonder treatment, the man was cured and his cancer disappeared completely. So we hear these stories from time to time and I've pondered a lot about this in my 38 years of working in the field of, um, of cancer and I just see the power of the belief system when it can be harnessed. Now I don't know what happened to this gentleman afterwards, whether his cancer recurred or whether he stayed clear, but I have seen this case where a tumour has regressed 
totally or partially and someone's been okay for a period of time and then there's a stressful event in that person's life and the cancer recurs. So it is complex and uh, I think we heard uh, Dr. Hammond last week speak towards the end of a program of a lady who'd made a remarkable recovery, who had a, um, a very high reading on her genetic uh, tumour stem cell count and who was dealing with quite an aggressive cancer and brought herself, um, with the help of all of her doctors, back into remission, stayed clear for a period of time and then with the death of her child, uh, the cancer uh, recurred and um, eventually she died from it. So I think it brings back to mind the power of the belief and the power of our, our own bodies, the, the stress that we can generate and the hormonal cascades and the biochemical cascades that can come from that, which actually on the walkway can actually lead to cancer. You've got to be really careful in talking about this because many people can say, oh, this person stressed me so much it caused my cancer. Um, and we don't want people leaning into the fact that you actually caused your cancer because that to me is a real negative placebo. It's a very popular new age belief, but in my experience that it's not a really good, um, a good way to go because it generates a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of blame. And it just adds a lot more things um, into the, the healing cauldron to actually deal with. So I, I think uh, in rounding up the, the session, we really are looking here at what you can do to be empowered in your recovery, the power of your own belief system. And in saying that, there are some people who have confided in me that they feel like they really don't want to try. Um, people who have come in with their family and when I've asked the family to step outside the room, they say, look, I've, I think I've had a pretty good innings with this and I'm tired and I just think that this cancer is the way that I want to go. Um, that's also their belief system and that's also their choice. And so one needs to support people, give them the information, give them the options and and then it's a matter of choice. The other thing to mention um, in this walkway is how people can also sabotage their own healing. Even people who say, I really want to recover. And I think the sabotage comes from maybe not answering those four questions, those four fundamental questions, which I believe hold a really significant key to the 35% of the pie chart that we talked about last week, the healing pie chart, where we looked at lifestyle at 20%, medical and conventional at 45%, and the psycho-oncology aspects, which is what we're talking about here at the 35%. So I think when you can put the energy in here into that psycho-oncology section, so much energy is held back in the recovery process with patients and that's why the emotional healing, the psycho-emotional uh, spiritual healing is so very important and that is what we call psycho-oncology. So don't be put off by that word. Um, it actually means addressing the levels and the layers that are the more obscure ones. These are the layers that chemotherapy doesn't touch, that antibodies don't go near. They're all the layers that make up the more complex part of you. Uh, 
and um, the physical treatment part can add to that but it is a separate part of that as well and I've spent a number of um, months living in the Philippines and being in the Philippines in the 70s and I spent a lot of times with um, healers there healers of many different kinds and they had a saying there where they said all diseases are curable all people are not and again you have to be very careful in saying that but if we peel that back and we really look at it it's what we've been talking about here in this session that there are things that you can do there's things that you can look at for your personal your your soul recovery there are things that you can do and if you're going to sabotage things, it's quite often good to know that you, you, you can and you likely will sabotage some things in that recovery process. And we see this quite a lot. I have had 14,000 patients um, through my care over my 38 years and so often I have seen people start to recover and start to do well on a, on a medical regime associated with um, say some good complementary and right at the point where they're getting well they change course and they start to go off and do something else and that's what we need to look at and need to be quite authentic in the way that we um, handle that for ourselves when we're navigating the cancer maze. So we're uh, going for a break and we will be back shortly with more of Navigating the Cancer Maze. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Nestled in the heart of Germany's Black Forest is a very special clinic where breakthrough cancer medicine is offered to cancer patients around the world. Hulvang Private Oncology Clinic is one of the leading establishments in biological cancer therapy. The clinic offers personalized cancer medicine, including genetic testing for detecting and applying targeted treatments. The clinic's ethic is to deliver treatments that are as conventional as necessary and natural as possible. For your personalized cancer treatment, please contact the clinic via their website at www.hulvang-clinic.com. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-N-G-clinic.com. Or call us in Germany at 490-7443-964240. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. tuned into Navigating the Cancer Maze with your host, Grace Goller. We'd love to hear from you today on our program. Please call us toll-free from North America at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. International callers may dial in to 480-553-5759. You may also send an email to institute at gracegoller.com. Now, back to Navigating the Cancer Maze. And welcome back. So we finished on um, a look at belief systems, but we're going to take what we just discussed in the last segment, as we usually do, and filter that through into, the, um, into this time. Now, in... 
the navigating of the cancer maze and the four questions and the healing of the soul, there are a number of things that you can be empowered to do. And I'd really suggest that one of these things that you actually look at is boundaries, healthy boundaries. Now, what is a boundary? Um, I consider boundaries almost like an emotional nutrition and I think when we have healthy boundaries, we become more resilient to illness. Illness becomes more like water off the duck's back and we deal with it in a much better way. If you remember the quote of Albert Schweitzer, he said, illness never stayed to, with me too long. I was too inhospitable a host. Um, and I think boundaries are one of the things that you can put in your toolkit to help you become that inhospitable host and to build what we call resilience, not resistance, but resilience. And if you think of the definition of resilience, uh, I do some exercises with um, patients in workshops where I give them an understanding of what a boundary or, or this resilience feels like. And we blow up a balloon and we put it between two people. And I get them to stand back to back with the balloon between them and actually press on the balloon to get an idea what it's like to have um, this resilience place. And it's... A boundary is really a place where um, you finish and another person begins. So it's a limit, if you like. It's a limit that's it's set by you and it's actually set by your intention. And it's a very, very powerful state to be in. Um, I guess another way is, and it's, it does tie in with a metaphor here for the immune system. It's identifying what is you and identifying what is not you. So, you know, what's in your field? So if you're in a disempowered state and your boundaries are really vulnerable or non-existent, um, you often feel fatigued and you'll suffer from what I term an energetic hemorrhage and some people will really feel this and say I am so fatigued um, I feel like I've just somebody's run me out of a tap at high speed and this can be when your boundaries are not good and you're actually in the presence of somebody who you might be giving your power or energy away to and it's important here to say it's often not their fault um, we're in charge of our own boundaries and the way that we actually set them. So people will take that energy. Fritz Perls, who was the founder of Gestalt Therapy, had a great saying. He used to tell people, beware of the vibe suckers. Um, he said that people can invade your space. And um, when people do invade your space, they can sort of rob you of, of your energy. Um, this is a very deep sort of psychological thing that happens, but it's also an energetic thing that happens because it's actually felt. You actually can feel this process happening. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had incidents with this myself where I've had, um, you know, some senior family members who I've talked with on the telephone because you can be drained on the telephone. You can get on the telephone to a relative and feel absolutely great or a friend and then um, they say, oh, I feel so dreadful. I'm feeling so depressed. You say, well, I'm feeling great. Well, by the time you're off the phone, you're feeling dreadful and depressed and they're feeling great. So there's been some kind of energy that's actually been exchanged there. So a boundary is a way of, of virtually sealing 
energy in. You know, if you put uh, plastic wrap on something and you seal it and you put it in the fridge, it's, it's sealed in. And a boundary can be a little bit like that. Sometimes I suggest people put themselves um, in their imagery in a bubble. Uh, people have liked the idea of um, popping into a spacesuit and zipping up a spacesuit when they're challenged. And just for a minute, think about what happens when a cat comes around a corner and sees a dog. Um, what does it do? Its hair stands on end and it makes itself bigger. So it uses its boundary to say, don't come here, this is kind of uh, trouble. And in a way, that's a very good example as to what a, a boundary can be. Um, so I think when you're dealing with cancer, it's best to look for people that aren't going to be um, what Fritz Perl said as the vibe suckers. And you're in charge of doing that. And you're also in charge of actually building up some healthy boundaries and I'd just like to go through first of all what things you might notice when you have a boundary issue and if you identify with any of these well then you know that there's some work that you need to do and that's one of the deposits that will be important for you to put in your healing bank account. So fatigue is often associated with um, this kind of energy drain. It's a, ma um, a major signal and um, for people whose boundaries are intact, they tend to be people that can just drive on and do a lot of things. When people's boundaries aren't intact, they feel fragile and they feel vulnerable. So if you've had a lot of trauma and you've got your diagnosis um, and your boundaries are not in good place, this is a whole part of that initial uh, issue that we talked about with PTSD. Low self-esteem can also be involved in poor boundaries, <clears throat> indecision. Um, if you find that you have an inability to focus, you're forgetful, um, you probably daydream excessively, um, you might feel jumpy, hypersensitive, um, numb out is another feeling that people have said to me, I just kind of feel numbed out, I feel like I'm beside myself. And this is this feeling of being disconnected. And that shows you that there is a boundary issue and there is a need perhaps to, to get some external help with this. Um, many psychotherapists are very familiar with this process of PTSD. Um, and sometimes um, hands-on work can really help. Uh, sometimes hypnotherapy can even help with this process. So if you're a person who becomes overwhelmed when the pressure's on um, or you have fluctuations of uh, being overwhelmed and then putting up walls, that's very definite signs that there's a, a boundary issue. So I think this is a very important one to look at. Now, if you need some help in this area, um, you can rebuild your boundaries. And I've written a book called Women of Silence, The Emotional Healing of Breast Cancer, which is available in an e-book. And there's quite a large section in that book on boundaries, how to identify them through some of the things that we've just discussed, and also how to rebuild them. And looking at um, intention is one of the things that's very helpful in rebuilding your boundaries. Um, I think um, there's a lot that you can do in the way of how you perceive yourself, um, really being authentic and taking a good 
what you'd call the good, hard, long look at yourself and saying, okay, what kind of person am I? How do I respond in company? How am I, you know, when I'm doing this? And how am I when I'm picking kids up from school? Um, again, these are the things that come into this psycho-oncology segment. And they're so important because it's the way that you actually are behaving during the day. It's not like a cancer is a separate thing and it's like going to get treated over there. Um, what I'm suggesting to you in navigating the maze is bringing these, all of these aspects together, making your toolkit and adding in all the things that you know that you need to do. So next week, we're probably going to be talking um, about imagery. I hope we're going to be able to have someone on the show who's sent birds working with you because it is a good way to recreate and also to recreate um, your toolkit in a way that's going to work for you. And perhaps in looking at um, negative placebo and positive placebo, I think this is an excellent way that this can be used um, for you as well. So imagery and intention and being authentic and hopefully next week we're going to be able to have our special guest and we are going to have in a few weeks time a very very special guest uh, from cancer schmancer in um, in the usa and that is fran drescher who has had her own experience with cancer and we're going to have fran on the show to talk about um, her charity and to talk about what it was like for her and her early diagnosis of cancer and I believe she's recently written a book as well. So check out our websites www.germancancertreatments.com or www.gracegawlerinstitute.com uh, You'll find references to our e-books on that site and there's an excellent book which really goes through. It's a very small handbook, about 100 pages, and it's called um, Survivor's Secrets. And the things we've talked about in the show are um, available for you there. So we're going to round up our time now from Alice Springs in Australia's Red Centre in the Northern Territory. And uh, next week, the show will be coming to you from my usual home, which is located on the Gold Coast in um, Queensland in Australia. So I hope you have a great week navigating the cancer maze and I hope you've been able to absorb and to learn from the experiences of all the people, all the patients who have contributed to my knowledge pool and to my toolkit and it's that that I share with you on these episodes of Navigating the Cancer Maze. We'll be back with you next week, same time. Bye for now. Thank you again for listening to Navigating the Cancer Maze. Please join your host, Grace Goller, again next Friday at 12 noon, U.S. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, cancer is not something you have to face alone.